Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me, as always, is Josh Dooley. We are back for you this week to preview yet another Ohio State football game. They have the uh, tough and mighty Akron Zips coming to town this weekend. Uh, uh, Josh, the, the not exactly the most... Uh, fear-instilling opponent that Ohio State's going to play this year. Probably the worst team on Ohio State's schedule overall. But as we discussed kind of after the Tulsa game this week, it's not as much about um, the opponent and like Ohio State getting a win here as much as, you know, what we'd like to see from Ohio State moving forward and kind of what this game means for Ohio State in terms of getting some stuff fixed and kind of getting on the right track for the rest of the season. Yeah, you know, o- over here in this house, we don't disrespect action. So, um Nothing poor to say about Akron, but I'm with you. This game is Ohio State versus Ohio State. Um, Can they improve upon what we've seen the first three weeks? Can they kind of build upon some of the changes they made in the defense last week? So I look at this game as the Buckeyes kind of going against themselves and seeing what they've done to improve or, or not improve. But hopefully uh, we see a blowout this week. I, we need it. We need it in the worst way. Absolutely. This team needs something to make them feel good and something to really put some, you know, instill some confidence in both themselves and just some optimism for the fan base based on what they've seen so far. But before we get to sort of the the nitty gritty of this game itself, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Ryan Day's press conference today. Both he and Larry Johnson spoke to the media on Tuesday morning. Uh, Nothing really earth shattering that we learned today, but just some interesting tidbits of information from Ryan Day. Uh, I think the main one that we could kind of start out with is uh, CJ Stroud's injury. Uh, CJ Stroud has, has been dealing with a shoulder injury. It, it's been, you know, it's been pretty apparent. It's been talked about pretty much every week, but it hasn't really been brought up as much of an issue to the coaching staff. I think really until now, based on the, the last game he played against Tulsa and how he looked throwing the ball. Uh, I mean, Ryan Day said there is a direct quote was there's something there for sure and that they've had a lot of conversations about it. Um, when asked if, if Stroud was going to, you know, take the game off against Akron Day, he didn't fully deny it, but they, he basically said that, you know, 
They're going to run through practice this week, see how he feels. They want to obviously get him out there. Uh, and he said he thinks there's a lot of great football ahead for C.J. Stroud. But, uh, you know, obviously that injury is something that's that's been nagging him. It's probably a reason why he hasn't looked as good as we expected him to coming into the year. I don't think, you know, if he was playing the way that he has through these first couple games, he would have won the QB job outright. I think it's the injury is nagging him a little bit. I think it's also a reason why he doesn't want to run as much, which is causing Ohio State some problems in the run game as well. So, Josh, I guess I really just want to get your thoughts on this kind of whole situation. I think it's, you know, if there's a game that Ohio State was going to sit their quarterback and, and trying to get him to rest up, it would be Akron. But I understand wanting to, you know, get him out there and get those reps and kind of give him some confidence as well based on how he's playing. But I, I don't love the idea of playing a guy through an injury when it's clearly, you know, a, a shoulder injury is nothing small for a quarterback and it's clearly been bothering him every week. So I don't really know the course of action here. This is why I don't get paid the big bucks to make these decisions. But there is, you know, I guess there's a, a good side and a bad side to this coin where, you know, you want to play the guy, you want to keep getting these reps, but you also want to be healthy when you need him to play, you know, the better opponents on your schedule later in the year. Yeah, so I've got a couple thoughts about this, really. First and foremost, and I'm not predicting this at all, but Ryan Day, his mantra is kind of keeping things close to the vest. We've seen it the first three weeks. We've had surprise inactives, surprise starters. So I would not be 100% shocked if CJ Stroud splits time or maybe even doesn't start and play this game. It's not something that Ryan Day alluded to. It seems like he wants to get him out there if he's healthy, work on the confidence, work on the things that he needs to improve, all of that good stuff. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that we see another quarterback in there, maybe even start. To me, if C.J. Stroud is anything less than 90%, I think putting him out there against Akron is a bit of a disservice to the team and a disservice to the rest of the quarterbacks for this reason. At some point, you want to have quarterbacks that are ready, and you're getting ready to enter the Big Ten schedule. Next week is, I think it's Rutgers-Maryland, or Maryland-Rutgers. I think it's Rutgers-Maryland. But... You want to see some of these other guys in game action and what better opportunity than against Akron? Even if you go through some growing pain, say you run out a Kyle McCord or a Jack Miller or even a Quinn Ewers, which he talked about that as well. That seems a ways off, but this is the time to do it. And it's not anything against CJ Stroud in this instance, but if he's not 90 to 100%, again, I think you're doing a disservice to him and the rest of the quarterbacks in that room. You want him healthy if C.J. Stroud is your guy and you've decided that. But if he's anything less than 90 to 100%, I think that it's worth it to see somebody else out there. Or have a game plan in place or a plan in place of, hey, C.J., we're going to play you the first half and you're done unless something else happens. Um, something like that. I would like to see another quarterback make an appearance this week, regardless of CJ's health. But if it's anything less than like that 90% number that I keep throwing it out, I think it's worth it to sit him because you'll get to see some other guys. And who knows if Kyle McCord gets a start and he looks great, then you have to look at the position again and further down the road and see what you want to do. CJ Stroud struggled against Tulsa. He struggled at times with some of the, quote-unquote easier things against a Minnesota and an Oregon. The, the stats were great, but high throws, missing some of the deep balls, things like that. I, I think you got to get a look at Kyle McCord in this game. 
probably Kyle McCord. So, you know, again, Ryan Day likes to keep things close to the vest. I would not be shocked if he's just kind of playing along and not really alluding to anything specific regarding C.J. Stroud's injury. But I think we could be in store for another one of those quarterbacks getting some snaps in this game against Akron. Yeah, I, I think in an ideal world for Ryan Day this week, you know, if CJ Stroud is obviously healthy enough to play, then they're they're in a in a situation where they could play him for the first half, and then they're up a bunch to you know play some of the other guys in the second half, kind of like you talked about. Also, like you touched on, in terms of Quinn Ewers, I wouldn't expect to see him really anytime soon. He kind of you know towards the end of his press conference, they asked him about him a little bit, and he really said you know he's not he's not quite up to speed yet. He's got a lot of catching up to do. He did get here pretty late compared to all the other guys, and he basically said you know he's not getting enough reps yet to be able to play. So if you were looking forward to seeing potentially Quinn Ewers this weekend, I, I don't think that's something that's going to realistically happen. I think if you are going to see another guy, the first guy out of the gate would be Kyle McCord and then probably Jack Miller behind him. So they've got options back there. I, I agree with you that if he's not, you know, if he's not at least like 85, 90%, then he shouldn't really be out there. There's no reason to risk his health further against a team like Akron. But it's kind of just where we are right now with this whole thing. We don't really, like you said, Ryan Day doesn't, they don't really give a ton of info on injuries at Ohio State. They don't want to. They want to keep their opponents on their toes, I guess. Um, in terms of just some other injuries, while we're on the topic, uh, the one to Thayer Munford they're saying is not a long-term injury. That's really all the information we've gotten, so it's unclear Sit whether him he'll regardless. play. Yeah, I think it's Sit. another guy who yeah. could give a game off. I don't know if he's expected to play this weekend, but they didn't really give us any information on that. Uh, Larry Johnson spoke as well. He said that they expect Zach Harrison to be back, or he said they were hopeful he'd be back. So it sounds like. You know, there's a good chance he plays this weekend. So Ohio State is getting healthier as we go, I would say, you know, and besides the whole Stroud thing. Uh, just some other points of emphasis from Ryan Day's press conference. Uh, his biggest compliment to Kerry Combs is that he's an Ohio guy. I don't know if that's the ringing endorsement you want as a, as a coach on this staff, is that that's your best quality. But, you know, things, things have been rough for Kerry Combs lately. And, you know, they're basically how it sounds like with the way Larry Johnson and Ryan Day both described it is that Larry Johnson has a really big hand in putting the the game plan together for this defense right now, and then Matt Barnes is on the field calling plays with Kerry Combs up in the booth. So it, it's kind of, they have a lot of hands on this defense, which I don't know if I love because there's already a lot of stuff going on with it, but they are trying to move things around. Larry Johnson, obviously the most veteran guy on that defensive staff, to, so to have him kind of helping out is good. I think they said he had a big hand in, you know, helping some of the run defense stuff, and we saw, you know, Ohio State's run defense be much better last week. So clearly that that part of the defense worked. We're still working on the whole, you know, linebackers figuring out where to play and just everything else behind it and some of the other schemes stuff. But it, it seems like they are really trying to get this thing under control. This is a good week to, to do it against an Akron offense that isn't very good. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But, yeah, I think that's some of the bigger stuff uh, from today's press conference. Also, they said they're going to be replacing the turf at the start of next year. I know that's been a big point of contention among fans on Twitter that, you know, everyone seems to be tripping and falling and getting hurt on this turf. And they said it's, you know, it's it was installed in 2014 and the average lifespan is about eight years. So they're at the end of a, a normal lifespan of turf, but it is time that they get some new stuff out there, kind of prevent some of these injuries and slipping and falling and all that stuff. So you want to have new turf. They'll be getting that in Ohio Stadium next year. Uh... What else in here? Day said Brian Shaw played better last week because he's playing experience. I don't believe that for a second. I don't know why we're saying that. <laughs> uh, and then he talked about you know some of the young guys, kind of like we alluded to last week. You know, guys like Denzel Burke, Cam Martinez, Tyreek Williams. He said it's good to see those guys out there getting them their reps. They're they're playing really well. And you know this this youth movement at Ohio State on the defense has certainly helped with some of their problems that they've had. But obviously, there's still a lot going on in terms of other defensive stuff. Larry Johnson said that you'll see. 
more of uh, JT Tuimaloa and Jack Sawyer as the year goes along. He's just trying to get those guys reps. He said that JT is more of a, a bigger guy, has been playing more just because, like, you know, he's ready for the, the size of college football, whereas, you know, Jack Sawyer is more of a finesse player, and they're trying to get him more up to speed as the season goes along. But you will see more of those guys as we move along, which, you know, is kind of what we expected with the two five-star freshmen, that the playing time would continue to go up and... You know, kind of as we talked about last week, the defensive tackles have played well. Haskell Garrett, Teron Vincent, Tyleek Williams. These guys have all been integral parts of that defensive line. But we're still, you know, we're still looking for the pressure from the outside. We're still looking for some sacks. Larry Johnson said as much. You know, he said he, he doesn't sleep when Ohio State doesn't get pressure. So they're looking to to fix some of those issues that have plagued them. They're, they got to win the one-on-one battles. And, I mean, Josh, they're saying all the stuff we want to hear. Uh, we're just, we just got to see it on the field to this point, I guess. I don't know if anybody really asked them about, you know, kind of what we were complaining about last week where it's just still too many subs uh but you know for the most part i guess they're saying what we want to hear and it sounds like they're working on some of the bigger issues on the defensive side of the ball but i'm just you know i'd love to see it against akron a team that isn't the best scoring team in the world but i don't know we'll i guess we'll have to wait and see yeah you know it sounds like a lot of cooks in the kitchen and that can be a problem right you can have too many voices in the room trying to do too many different things so hopefully they're all on the right page i think the good thing about having Larry Johnson more involved is if anybody's going to be a calming influence, it's Larry Johnson. This guy has been coaching uh, defensive units and, and part of a defensive coaching staff for decades now. And he's one of the most accomplished coaches in college football as far as position group coaches that you're going to see. So I think he could be a calming influence. And Matt Barnes is hopefully that up and comer that can make, uh, you know, call the right plays and make some adjustments throughout the game with some of the, uh, you know, the mentoring and the tutelage of Larry Johnson. It sounds like they're kind of working very close together. So I I hope that it's not too many cooks in the kitchen, but they've got to figure something out. So at this point, it's, it's sort of like, hey, let's see what everyone has to say and let's come together with one game plan and try and implement it and try and put it together and make these position groups kind of fit and gel together. So it's weird too, because this Akron game, you're kind of trying to do two things. We've we've railed on the substitutions and the volume of them. We want to see the best 11 guys out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're hoping we're up 28, 35, 42 points on Akron so that we can see these other guys. So it's it's these, you know, opposite forces sort of working against each other. But I hope what we see is they come up with a game plan of their best 11 and those guys start the game. Even if they're new starters, this is a game to sort of experiment, but experiment with what you think is truly your best 11 and let them work through some things. Let them play a half where you're not subbing nearly as much. And then you look at some of the rotation stuff in the second half, if the Buckeyes are up big, which hopefully they are. So if that means putting a Cam Martinez out there, start him and leave him out there. If you give up a fluky play to Akron, it's not like they can't bounce back from that. So hopefully we see those 11 guys that we keep talking about, whoever the coaches feel they are, put them out there, let them play, see if they can, you know, get a number of stops in a row and keep them out there for an extended period of time. Quit playing the substitution game unless you're up by a healthy margin, then you can kind of mix and match a little bit. So 
I hope we see it a little bit different. I, you know, I don't know if those first 11 out there are going to be any different than what we saw last week, but I think there's potential for it. You know, Cam Martinez cannot played a lot in the first couple of games. He flashed in the third. So maybe he's out there and you leave him out there. They have to figure out this safety position is one of them. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is a week where they can experiment safely, but, but I'd like to see them do it later in the game where they've given uh, the, you know, what they feel is their best unit a chance to play together and get those stops and you know, do it against an inferior opponent. Uh, no knock against Akron, but it's the truth of the matter. So um, hopefully with Larry Johnson and Matt Barnes's influence and then still seeking input from your Kerry Combs and your Al Washingtons, they can come up with the right game plan and the best game plan uh, for Saturday night. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the defensive snap counts from the Tulsa game, and there's a lot of interesting stuff here. It does look like they did like shorten their rotations a little bit, but there is still some concerning numbers here. Linebacker, I think, is is interesting because Taraji Mitchell didn't play with an undisclosed injury, but Cody Simon played the most snaps with 68. Behind him was Tommy Eichenberg with 53, and then the next highest was Kayvon Pope with 24. So Simon and Eichenberg were there pretty much two starting linebackers the whole game. Um What's concerning me about that is that Tommy Eichenberg had 53 snaps and he didn't record a single tackle as a linebacker. That is oh. uh, almost impossible. That's pretty concerning. Uh, he did have a QB hurry, so it's good for him, but he didn't have a single tackle in 53 snaps, so that's fun. Uh, corners, Denzel Burke had 78, Cameron Brown had 73, and then the only other player with snaps was Seven Banks with 25, and then Cavazos and McColl both only played on special teams, so it's really they really only had a three-man group at corner. Which is kind of what we expected, and those are kind of the three guys we expect to play most of the yeah, time. Gene, I expect Seven Banks to play more and more as we go forward, I would hope, but maybe not. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, Gene, I want to ask you about the linebackers specifically because I talked about this in a little bit uh, for a piece that I have going up tomorrow. We're recording on Tuesday. Um, you know, Larry Johnson is the the senior coach up front, so he... I would assume gets carte blanche with his defensive line rotation. I don't think that Kerry Combs or Matt Barnes is going to tell him how to rotate his guys. I think he's sort of off limits. And the secondary, we've seen a lot of guys play, and we thought coming into the year that might be a weakness. They've played really well. Al Washington's, you know, kind of his guys are literally in the middle. But as a coach, do you think that, and it's just, it's guess, it's guessing at this point, but do you think, the rotation at linebacker is the fact, is it due to Al Washington really not being sure who his best guys are? Or do you think that he maybe doesn't have or hasn't had the influence to say, hey, look, these are my guys that I want out there the most, if that makes sense. Which do you think it is as far as, you know, how the, the linebacker rotations have worked? Do you think it's him not being, you know, boisterous enough? Or do you think maybe he's gotten overruled? What do you think's happening there? I mean, I would imagine he's got a good enough voice considering they made a big deal of bringing him back and not letting him leave for Tennessee. So I think they value his opinion. And I just do think that, you know, they kind of, they have, I think they know that Cody Simon is probably their top guy. And then after that, it's a bunch of question marks. And especially with, you know, a guy like Taraja Mitchell, who hasn't played exceedingly well, but we think is probably one of their top two or three linebackers to not have him last week kind of mucks things up a bit. But it is odd, just like, like, you know, a guy like Dallas Gant, who we expected to have a big, 
a big impact this year. He had one snap against Tulsa. Uh, Naote Ote, a guy that transferred in to have somewhat of an impact. And I know he's still kind of working his way into this team, but he also only had one snap. And then you have Steel Chambers, who's a running back, converted running back, getting 17 snaps ahead of both of those guys. So it's just, it's weird to me, the guys they are choosing to use. I, I think, you know, I think Kayvon Pope has played okay in his in his time. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him get, him get a few more snaps as well. But I just don't think they know what they have out there and, and and because they keep subbing everyone out it's hard to figure out who plays the best together and when you only have two linebackers on the field you need those guys to kind of understand each other and what the other person is doing so that they can all you know fill their role correctly but when you're playing next point, yeah. to when you're playing next to a different guy on every different snap like it's kind of hard to figure out what you should be doing because you don't know what the other guy is going to be doing and when you're all thinking about too much like we kind of talked about if you're thinking on defense too much you're, you're stuck so I think that all of that is kind of the issue with the linebackers, and it's just they need to they need to, to pinpoint their top two guys, whoever it may be, have them work together, have them know that the other guy is doing his job and that he can do his own job and not have to worry about it, and then just leave those guys in there and then sub as needed for, you know, just to give a guy a breather or whatever. But we don't need to be doing full wholesale substitutions on every defensive snap. The only other, like, snap counts I wanted to mention were the safeties. Um the the Bryson Shaw played every snap at safety all eighty eight. I don't. I, I hope that doesn't continue moving forward. I don't. No disrespect to him, but he's just not that guy. And you know they had you know Ronnie Hickman played sixty four snaps. Lethal Ransom played sixty four snaps. I think that you know I think they're factoring in like the bullets as also the safeties. So that's why there's so many snaps to go around here. Cam Martinez played thirty nine. I think most of that was in the second half, and he, you know, he probably looked the best out of that entire group. Uh, Lathan Ransom's flashed a little bit, and Ronnie Hickman's played a little bit in the bullet. I think, you know, his stats are a little bit inflated because he's kind of just in the middle. He's had a lot of tackles, but I don't think he's he hasn't looked bad, but he hasn't looked particularly great. But I, they need to. They did move to a little. Uh, they did do a little two safety stuff last game, which is interesting. It's a little mixing it up, and I like throwing that extra wrinkle in there, but. I think they also got to figure out the safeties room as well. Same kind of problem as the linebackers, where they're throwing these different guys out there. And I just don't—I don't know if Bryson Shaw is the guy to, to lock down your defense back there with the angles that he takes on some of these tackles. I saw a couple clips from the Tulsa game where he's just the last line of defense, and he just completely whiffs, or he's taking a terrible angle, and now the guy's behind him. And it's just—you can't have a safety that's doing that. I'd rather have a guy that isn't flashy or isn't all that fast, but knows how to take an angle and can just be that eraser like a Jordan Fuller used to be. And obviously they don't have a guy with that that is the caliber of Jordan Fuller back there, but you need a guy who could just, you're confident in him making a tackle in one-on-one in space when he's your last line of defense so you're not letting up these long chunk runs or chunk passes. So I think safety is another point of emphasis for this defense. And I just, you know, we've talked about defensive line too. I just, you know, the right guys I think are playing. They're just not getting the job done yet. So hopefully they sort out whatever is wrong there. But you know, overall, it, it's still this defense is a large work in progress, and I'm hoping to kind of see some of these issues come together against Akron. This is a good week to, you know, test things out, figure stuff out, and if we don't see much of any improvement this week, it's I, I'm going to be very, very concerned about this team. I think if Ohio State lets up, you know, more than 20 points against this Akron team, then we are looking at a very not good Ohio State team moving forward. Yeah, if they give up a lot to Akron, we could be in some real trouble, but. I'll say this about Bryson Shaw. I'm I'm with you. He has underperformed, and I think that's probably an understatement. But I wonder if the learning curve for him is just, it's a little bit steeper, if it's taking him some more time. Because I think about some of the uh, previous safeties who... You know, I have had my my uh, my thoughts with at times, and then they they develop and they become much better players. You know, 
Malik Hooker, and, I, and I'm not comparing these guys, their style of play per se, but it took Malik Hooker a while to get on the field. And he developed, you know, uh, a ton during his first couple of years, didn't get the playing time. He developed as an older player. Bryson Shaw does not get that advantage. He's thrown in there as a young guy. But even more recently, Josh Proctor, and I don't know if you remember this, um, there are numerous examples, but Josh Proctor, especially when it came to angles and pursuit, used to have a ton of trouble. He was heat-seeking missile, head down, poor angles at times, and it, it bugged me to no end. But he learned, and unfortunately he's injured now, but he learned, he developed, and he became a much better safety and arguably one of our better players on defense before he went down. So I just wonder if it's taking a little bit longer for Bryson Shaw because it is you know, uh, obvious that this coaching staff believes that there is something there with him. They've raved about his athleticism, his intelligence. So they see it and it's sort of unanimous across the board. All of the defensive coaches and Ryan Day himself, they've had great things to say about Bryson Shaw, but it hasn't translated yet. So my hope for him is that it's just taking a little bit longer. And unfortunately for him, he doesn't get the built-in advantage because he's not surrounded right now by 10 other great guys on defense. This whole unit is sort of searching for something. And so he's been sort of one of the fall guys, but if they were playing a too high and he had an experienced guy next to him at safety or the linebackers were taking more pressure off of the back end, if they were making more stops closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe his sort of, you know, glaring weaknesses wouldn't stand out so much. So I think he's in, he's in a tough position, you know, and that's not a a total defense. He has had plenty of missteps and and made plenty of errors, but my hope is it's just taking a little bit longer for him and he will come around. I mean, if you put a guy out there for a hundred percent of the snaps, three straight games, if he's not getting better then then I don't know what the heck we're doing. So, um, you know, Hopefully he gets there, even if he's not the the end all be all at safety. The co- like I said, the coaches see something, and he's gotten the reps now. Let's see if he develops, and and if he's not, then I think it's it's sort of one of those things where you go from eighty eight snaps down to zero. If you can't figure it out playing the entirety of the game for three, four, five straight weeks, then I don't know what it's going to take. Uh, besides the additional practice reps and time. And if that's the case, grab a seat and let's put somebody else in, like a Cam Martinez or somebody else that we've seen. So a lot to be figured out there at safety. And I think it does start with Bryson Shaw and figuring out if he's the guy. But I can't say I've given up on him, but disappointment uh, you know, is definitely the, the term that we're throwing around. And I'm with you on that. He's been disappointing. His play has been disappointing so far. Yeah, I just worry that, you know, the last time there was a player that Ohio State's defensive staff unanimously loved and seemingly the fans couldn't understand why he's on the field. That that never Don't really never really Don't panned out it. in that situation. So I'm just hoping it isn't one there and either that, you know, either they're right and this guy turns into something great or they figure out that he's not that great and they put someone else out there. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We will move on to talk about the Akron Zips, this week's opponent. They are 1-2, and two, a MAC team. They're, uh, they've scored exactly 69 points on the season, so that's nice. Uh, they're not the greatest on either side of the ball. They rank 99th out of 130 teams in points per game, and they're 123rd out of 130 in defense. Um, what I will say about the Akron Zips is that they've got some great names on this roster. Uh, their quarterback, Demarcus Irons Jr., phenomenal name, uh, he's thrown for a little over 500 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. He's also their leading rusher at 165 yards with two touchdowns. So it is that that classic mobile quarterback that Ohio State tends to struggle with, and especially with the way that you know the linebackers and the defensive line have been playing. That's certainly a concern, but it's not. I wouldn't say it's as much of a concern as I was for like an Anthony Brown from Oregon, and they they did as as you know as poorly as they played in that game. They did a good job of containing him. So I don't think that'll be too much of an issue. Uh, he's he's probably their top guy on offense. They don't really have a ton of firepower. Their leading receiver, Michael Matheson, has 18 catches for 230 yards. Um, and then on defense, the the by far their best player, probably on either side of the ball, is Bubba Arsinian, the linebacker. He's uh, got a team-high 37 tackles, which is 17 more than the next highest guy on the team. He's got two tackles for loss. He's the leader on that side of the ball. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is not the best team in the world. They ranked in uh, in Athlon's preseason rankings of all 130 teams. Akron came in at 125th. Uh, or the, you know, the past two seasons coming into this one, they they had a one and 17 stretch. Uh, they're they're not good. I, I you know that's really all I could say about them. <laughs> I, I you know this isn't you know like Tulsa came in and battled Ohio State and like it, I don't I don't expect Ohio State to be in a close game with this one in, at any point. And if they are, then I I mean. Things are really bad in Columbus. So, like, I just this is a game. This is a get right game by by every stretch of the word. And it's you know we we have to see improvement this week or it's not coming. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, I think uh, looking at Akron, their offense specifically. I will say this about DJ Irons. He's a mobile quarterback. You know, he ran for a hundred plus yards last week against. They beat Bryant, which I will be one hundred percent honest with you right now, Gene. I did not know that they had a football team. I'm yeah, not even fun, sure where the school is. That. Fun fact about that too, uh, Brian, an FCS school. Uh, as I said, Irons has thrown for a little over 500 yards. 300 of those came against Bryant, uh, and 130 of his like 160 rushing yards also came against Bryant. So there may have been some stat padding to make this Akron offense look even better than it is, and that's not good because their offense already looks pretty bad on paper. But their their two previous games to Bryant, they lost 60 to 10 to Auburn and 45 24 to Temple. So uh, there, there was a little bit of stat padding going on next week. So they're, you know, as bad as their stats look, they're actually inflated because of an FCS opponent last week. Yeah, and in that game included 
You know, this team is averaging 3.3 yards per carry. So you take away the Bryant game. You also need to take away the carries from their first start of the year. Cato Nelson, he started the first two games at quarterback um, and he carried the ball 21 times for 19 yards. So less than a yard per carry. So you've kind of got these different numbers thrown in, but absolutely. They put up a ton of yards against Bryant. So some of these numbers look better. Uh, again, about Irons, though, I will say against Auburn uh, in backup duty, he was 13 for 13 throwing the ball. So for the season, he's completing 76% of his passes. I, I wouldn't say it's a worry by any means, but the kid's got skill. Uh, he's kind of a taller, lanky guy. He's like 6'6", 215. So if he does get outside the pocket, uh, you know, he's got some speed. He's got some agility. He can make some things happen. But I think that if they contain him and probably run some sort of spy on him, that this Akron offense is very limited. He leads the team with 5.3 yards per carry. You mentioned the yardage. He's their leading rusher there. Uh, Their main running back, John Zell Norris, 114 yards rushing on the season at 3.2 yards per clip. So they don't do a whole lot up front with the exception of the scrambles and sort of the broken plays that Irons has accounted for. So, I think they really need to put down the clamps on Akron. I'm with you. Anything, uh, you know, 20, 21, 28 points, not the best showing from this Ohio State defense. It, if they give up a fluky long play, I can live with that. If they're aggressive, things like that happen. But they just need to keep an eye on Irons. Like I said, probably run some sort of spy on him, contain him, and the rest will take care of itself. Uh, I think our secondary has performed really well. I think they'll put the clamps on these Akron wide receivers. And on the other side of the ball, I think it's a it's an opportunity to further establish the run game. Uh, it's, it's tough to beat 280 yards from Travion Henderson like we saw last week, but continue to develop that run game. We saw some things, uh, especially in the first couple of games, where Ohio State was not you know, as successful right up the middle. I think you work on that against Akron. Um, Even if that's CJ Stroud or whomever taking snaps under center, that's something that we haven't seen a whole lot of the last couple of years, but we saw it against Tulsa. If you want to work on that interior run game, this is a good game to do it. And I think you need to, you need to kind of make it up to Chris Olave a little bit. I think that this could be a game for him where, let's just take some deep shots. Uh, you know, let's send him down. He's got the route running. He's got the footwork. He should be able to toast anybody else on the other side. Let's get him right. Let's make him right. He's coming off a rough game against Tulsa. Zero catches for the first time in his career, or, you know, first time since he's really been in the lineup. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't have any concerns about this game. I think that goes without saying, but I'd like to see Ohio State execute well in multiple facets of the game. I think that we need to, at a minimum, average five, six, seven yards per carry. We need to test the interior. We need to bounce it outside, let Travion, uh, Mayan Williams, even Master Teague sort of get right in the running game as well. And then uh, involve our wide receivers. That's another thing. Uh, You know, we've got six, seven guys deep there, and we really haven't been able to see Emeka Agbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. on the field that much. Uh, you know, Emeka has had some nice kick returns and punt re- uh, kick returns. I'm sorry. And I know Marvin Harrison Jr. saw a couple snaps against Tulsa, but I'd like to see me- those guys maybe get out there more. And same goes for Julian Fleming. I expected a lot of him 
coming into the season, and he's definitely number four right now. Um, JSN, I, I thought they might be a little more neck and neck than they truly are. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba has played really, really well this year, so he's cemented himself as the number three. Let's get some of those other guys in there and, uh, and, and possibly throw it to the tight end as well. I think that they can do... The Buckeyes can do anything that they want to on offense against this against this team. I'd like to see them involve others this time and get some guys, uh, get some new guys, some stats. Yeah, guys, stop throwing to Cade Stover. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. You have a hundred five star wide receivers on this team and Jeremy Rucker at tight end. Stop throwing the ball to Cade Stover. I don't know what what he's got on this coaching staff. Why he's on the field on almost every play, but I don't get it. Like, I know Ryan Day loves his two tight end sets, but there's just no need. We have so much talent all around this roster. You could throw to some of these other guys, especially That's Chris another Olave. guy, too, Gene. You know, uh, we saw G. Scott Jr. get a catch last week. Mm-hmm. He's an athletic tight end. You talk about that, uh, you know, that Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, even like a, a Travis Kelsey type. You look at some of those upper echelon, like the best tight ends in existence right now. Uh, I'm not saying G. Scott Jr. is there yet, but athletically he profiles like one of those guys who you can split out. And if his not, if his blocking's not there yet, that's fine. His blocking doesn't need to be anywhere against Akron, throw him out there, uh, put him in place of Cade Stouffer, let him work on his blocking a little bit, get tougher, um, work on his uh, technique and get him involved as well. Yeah, and he's a converted wide receiver, so he definitely has that, you know, pass catchy ability and that athleticism that you you don't normally see from the tight end spot. But just some other points of emphasis here from uh like just things to look for in this game coming up. Uh Akron does return all five of its starters on the offensive line. Uh however, uh those five starters allowed 26 sacks last year, and uh just so you know, Akron only played 6 games last year. So if Ohio State doesn't have any sacks in this game, I am genuinely concerned for the well-being of these these defensive linemen we have, and I don't, I will not <laughs> understand what's what's right in the world. Up is da- up is down, left is right. Um, there there has to be at least one Ohio State sack in this game against this offensive line. Uh, they're an experienced unit, but they're they haven't played particularly well. And then on on terms of their defense, their their linebacker unit is probably their their strongest group. But, you know, overall, it's not a particularly scary unit on that side of the ball. So kind of like you said, this is a good game. You know, if C.J. Stroud's healthy, this is a good game to prove it. You know, take some of those deep shots, uh, get Chris Olave the ball. That would be good. I'm in a college football fantasy league, and Chris Olave was my first overall pick. So getting zero points from him was not my favorite thing in the world. So let's get that guy some catches this week, huh, guys? Get him a couple touchdowns. I love that. Uh, But, yeah, this team gave up 41 points per game last year and a little under eight yards per play. Uh, they were dead last in pass, pass efficiency defense in the MAC, uh, and they were tenth against the run. So, this is not a particularly strong defensive unit. This is a team that Ohio State should easily score, you know, upwards of fifty points against. Uh, and and it's it's definitely a chance to correct a lot. It, they a lot of the things they do poorly is things that Ohio State needs to work on. So, it's definitely a good game to get right, pretty much on both sides of the ball. Um, like you said, if you're going to get some guys in there that you want to get a, a look at, this is the game to do it. It seems like Ohio State is willing to sub pretty much everyone except for the positions that we want to see people get subbed at. But, you know, hopefully we, we get some of that sort out this week. Another thing I wanted to mention just in terms of, you know, th- this offense, and you kind of brought up the running backs. Uh, in Ryan Day's press conference today, he pretty much said everything short of Travion Henderson being the starting running back. He wouldn't commit to him being the full-time guy, but he basically said, you know, we've got to get this guy an increased role, and considering he had, like, 70% of the snaps last week, I would imagine that means he's just the starting running back because he's awesome. 
Uh, I would imagine we'll see Mayan Williams this week. Hopefully he's, you know, I don't know if it was an injury or whatever it was that he missed practice last week, but I'd like to see more of him as a, you know, as a change of pace back to Travion Henderson. I think those are your, your two top guys in that room. And I think this is, you know, this is another chance for another potential 200 yard game or whatever for Travion Henderson, even though these linebackers are, are pretty solid. I don't think, you know, as a unit that any of these guys are particularly scary or, or, you know, a, a threat to, to stopping Travion Henderson. Uh, but I'd like to see, you know, the pass game. I think Ohio State, if they wanted to, could hand the ball off every single time in this game and score 50 points. But I, I do think they'll want to air it out a little bit, see what they've got in CJ Stroud if he's playing, hopefully get up to a big lead, get one of the other guys in in the second half and just kind of work on everything. Because once you get into Big Ten play, you know, I know we're playing Rutgers the first week, but they're, you know, they're improved from years past. And then you have a Maryland team who's looking pretty good this year and actually has a pretty good passing offense. So there's definitely stuff Ohio State needs to work on in this game that it won't quite have a chance to, you know, fully work on mid-game against some of these Big Ten opponents, even if even if it's some of the lesser ones on the schedule. So this is really their last gimme game. Um, and it's, you know, that we're going to learn a lot about this team. I think if we see an Ohio State team that comes out and wins big and looks confident in doing it, then I, I have high hopes for the rest of the year. But if this is a team that comes out and, you know, struggles a bit and it's all the same exact issues we've seen in these past few weeks, then, you know, this is an Ohio State team that could lose two or three games for the rest of the year. And then it's, it becomes a concern. Yeah, I think the thing that I'd like to see the most, and, and I get that it, it may be difficult against an opponent like Akron, but... I want Ohio State to come out and across the board, I want them to be aggressive. I uh, want to see them play with some passion and some emotion. You know, you you hit on the defensive line and the struggles that they've had, but you mentioned Akron's offensive line being experienced, but giving up a bunch of sacks last year. They've given up 11 so far in three games this year. I talked about it in a piece last week and I touched on it again in the piece I have coming out tomorrow. The defensive line seems like they've lacked a lot of emotion and passion. You see Haskell Garrett play with it at times. And I mentioned that you saw Tyleek Williams kind of celebrate a sack and, uh, and show some emotion against Tulsa when he got out there. But this is a group up front that A, we counted on to be potentially the strongest unit on the team, uh, probably outside of wide receiver. That's not fair, but um, a very strong unit. And they, gosh, I kind of lost my train of thought. That was A. Uh, B, they need to lead by example, um, especially for a defense that's struggling it starts up front. Everything starts up front. It's the same thing on the offense. If the offensive line isn't playing well, it's going to put the rest of the guys um, sort of in a tougher position. This defensive line should dominate against Akron. And even if the numbers aren't there, I want to see them, you know, nasty, aggressive, playing with emotion. You can't play defensive line in neutral. You need to be attacking and you still need to attack in the right way, in the right manner, but they should want to impose their will. They should want to physically dominate a team like Akron. And if they can't do it against this team, they're, they're going to be in some, for some tough sledding, especially against big 10 opponents. So I want to see those guys getting after the quarterback, you know, he's a mobile guy. So you have to plan for that, but we need to be all systems go up front. I want these ends, if, if they're being asked to contain, that's one thing. But when they're 
when they have the opportunity to get after the quarterback, I want them to take full advantage of it. I want pressure up the middle from Haskell Garrett, Teron Vincent, Tyleek Williams, whoever is in there in the middle. They need to be pushing the pocket towards DJ Irons and affecting his play, affecting his timing. it's kind of a microcosm. The defensive line has lacked emotion and aggression at times. And I feel like that's gone to the rest of the team. Um, Linebackers, they've been struggling, but this is another, this is an opponent where they should be able to see ball, get ball, think less, do more. So the aggression and passion I felt has been lacking and you want to see that come out. I understand that you're playing a, a lesser opponent, but like I said, You should want to physically dominate and impose your will. You should want to beat them 100 to nothing. As unrealistic as it might be, that should be your mindset going into a game like this to just play balls to the wall, get after it. And same thing on offense, you know, take the deep shots, Um, do some different things in the running game because you know you've got talent back there. So I I, I just want to see the effort and the passion dialed up at least in the beginning of this game you've you're you know you're coming off of a a closer victory than it should have been and previous to that you're coming off a loss you should be pissed off you should be playing with some anger and and want to really do some damage against this Akron team so that's what I want to see I want to see aggression and passion and I hope we see it from the coaching staff too I want Ryan Day to be aggressive on offense I want the defensive coaches to dial up a ton of blitzes um, get after these guys on both sides of the ball and, and bury them, beat them into submission because that's you haven't had that opportunity yet. You thought you may have it against Tulsa, but they gave you a game. They gave you a heck of a game, closer than the, closer than it should have been. So reset, and here's another opportunity to kind of get yourself right before the schedule gets much more difficult. Yeah, it would be nice if it felt like Ohio State has a defensive line on the field this week. I would certainly enjoy that. And I would also like to see, you know, two of the top wide receivers in the country catch some passes in the end zone, catch some deep balls, really show off their athleticism and show that, you know, the the talent disparity between these two teams. It looks like on the field what it looks like on paper. That would be, I agree with you there. This has to be. Yeah, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. They have to look like they're the much better team because they are on paper. So they have to, you know, put that into practice, beat up on an opponent that they should beat up on pretty easily. And you know, with that being said, Josh, what do you think in uh, what do you think in score wise this week? What is a realistic outcome for the Buckeyes? I am going to go sixty three fourteen. I think they beat them by forty plus. And I'll just throw you another prediction too. I there's something in me that thinks that Ryan Day is playing this whole quarterback thing coy. I, I don't know that he sits C.J. Stroud, but I, I sort of suggested it earlier. He's not going to take any suggestions from me, but I think we might see it. I think that if C.J. Stroud does play, he does not play more than two quarters. Uh, just whether he's ineffective, more injured than anybody thought, or Ohio State's out to a big lead, I do not see C.J. Stroud playing into the second half. So I'll give you two predictions, 63-14 on the score. And I think we see uh, at least one other quarterback play parts of two quarters. Yeah, I hope it's the latter and that it's just that Ohio State is up a bunch and, you know, they could they could afford to bench C.J. Stroud and not that he's, you know, not having a good game or being ineffective. We hope that 
uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he plays. Hopefully he's not too hurt. But if he is too hurt, then hopefully that, you know, they're able to rest him and get someone else out there. And, you know, I just want to learn something about this quarterback room. I'd like to see at least one of the other guys play at some point in this game. And if we don't see one of those other guys playing this game, then it's probably concerning. And Ohio State's probably in a closer game than we'd like them to be. Uh, my prediction is pretty similar to yours. I'm going to go uh, 55-17. Uh, you know, get a, get a field goal in there, get that 52, get it to 55. Um, I don't think Ohio State covers. They are minus 49 in this game, which is, you know, giving this team 50 points, even against a team like Akron, is kind of nuts. So I will still be continuing to fade Ohio State against the spread, where I'm currently 3-0 and looking to go 4-0. Um, I You know, I'd love them to win by 50. I just, with the way that this team has played so far, I have no reason to think that, but I'd love for them to make me eat my words. So uh, I'm thinking 55-17. We get the offense going, like you said. We got to see one of the other quarterbacks. Maybe one of the freshman receivers gets to catch a touchdown pass late in this game. And uh, hopefully we see the defense play a lot better. If, you know, they were good against the run last week, if they could continue to do that and then, you know, take away some of that space, they've been lined up over the middle with some of these short passes and little these out routes that they're letting up too much cushion on the outside. I think that, you know, small changes to the defense could go a long way. And against a team like Akron that doesn't have a ton going for it on offense, uh, you know, it shouldn't be too hard to look good on defense, even if it's, you know, kind of a, just a smoke and mirrors thing against a bad Mac team. But yeah, I'm expecting expecting a pretty large margin of victory in this one. And like like we've kind of said, if it's not, then this team is in big trouble. But I am going to stay optimistic about it. think the Buckeyes win big this weekend. Uh, and that's that's what I've got for you in this one. I'm, you know, I don't have a ton of, I don't think that, you know, if I'm going to ask one more thing yeah, of you, though, I, um, before we wrap it up, I mean, it's Akron at the end of the day, but give me a stat prediction, whether that's a player or a unit, sort of like I did. Um, you know, I, I didn't throw a stat out there, but I said that Kyle McCord or, or somebody else was going to play serious minutes in this. Um, give me a playing time prediction or like a stat prediction from somebody. I think that, you know, I think they do kind of have like an apology game for Chris Olave where they're like, hey, man. Uh, we forgot about you last week, so here's 150 yards and two touchdowns this week. So I'm going to say Chris Olave has a, a not a career game because it's Akron, but he has a really big performance, at least 150 yards, two scores, just as, as a, you know, because they, they'll probably be in a position where they can afford to take some some shots once they're up. So they're going to be like, hey, man, just just run deep and we'll get you the ball and we'll get you some stats that you missed out on last week. So I'm looking for a big game for Chris Olave. I would love for, like I kind of said earlier, I would love for a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. or Emeka Ibuka to, to get a touchdown reception in this game. That would be cool to get to see one of those guys, see some of their hard work from the offseason payoff, get them on the field we haven't gotten to. You know, Ryan Day kind of said in his press conference today that he's he you know he, they would have liked to get some of these guys on the field earlier, but they haven't really had the chance yet with the way these games have gone. But And he said they're not going to force it. Like They're not going to just put these guys on the field for the sake of getting them reps. So hopefully this is a game where they don't have to force it, and they're just up big at half, and you know we see a lot of the second and third stringers through the third and fourth quarters. Um, it would be nice. You know We've been waiting on that for pretty much all year now where Ohio State could get some of the, those guys in, and hopefully this is the game they could do it, because if it isn't, then there probably isn't a game they could do it, because this is... The, the 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 last team on their schedule that they're you know this is the only the, the worst team on their schedule for for lack of a better term yeah i'm with you we want to see a uh, a bludgeoning saturday night Uh, yeah, so that's that's going to be our Akron preview. Uh, we will be back sometime after the game. Uh, I think I might be replaced with Matt this week because I have some prior you know, work engagements this weekend. But whoever is on here, we'll be back to recap whatever it is that happens on Saturday against Akron. Uh, hopefully it's another, or not another, hopefully it's the first big Buckeye win of the season uh, and, and we feel good about it coming off. But that's all we have for you this week. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. 
Like, download, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and we will see you guys sometime this weekend. Go Bucks.